This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 7, Episode 48. This is Writing Excuses, 22 Pixar rules for writing a compelling story. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. This has been making the rounds of writing blogs. And everyone talks about being Pixar rules. It's actually one of the um, the story artists over at Pixar. Her name is Emma Coates. And she has been doing just a series of tweets. They're very quick. She doesn't explain herself. She just does these. Maybe she's got longer explanations somewhere. But we just have a list of the tweets. They're, most of them are really good, so we're going to go down them, talk about them. We're going to peanut gallery them a little bit. I'm sorry, Emma, if we do, if we make fun of you, but <laughs> these are actually very good rules, and Pixar's got a good reputation for storytelling. So um, let's go down them and see what we think. Her first rule that she tweeted was, you admire a character for trying more for, than for their success. Yes. Yes. Yes, you do. Try-fail yes. cycle has to have fail. So why mm-hmm. is this? Well... Looking at it from a different angle, this is the, the reason that this works is because you see a character try far more often than you see them succeed. Okay. Because when they succeed, the story's over. The character who succeeds all the time is the uh, one of the definitions of the Mary Sue. Right. We don't like that character. We do sometimes. It is not as widely interesting to us. Yeah. Superman basically succeeds all the time, so particularly the old Superman mm-hmm. from the old serials and things. Well, and the old James Bond. Yes, the old James Bond. Um, or, you know, for a more modern, like, Voltron or Captain Planet. or Whenever you summon the big superhero, <laughs> they don't fail um, most. Of the, they succeed most mm-hmm. of the time. Um, yeah. But the newer stories will make the conflict then, how do we summon him or things like that. The, the character who doesn't fail is not that interesting. Yeah, but that rule, that's, for me, that's just saying you've got to have a try-fail cycle. And our protagonist uh, has to be driving it and it has to be exposed. We have to see it. We have to see the failures. I think mm-hmm. it's also that we have to see the struggle. It's not just yes. failing. It's yeah. struggling well, it's that we like. It's not just well, trying. It's, it's trying again after yes. you failed. Yes, because that trying again after you fail is a heroic property. Exactly. It also raises the stakes when you have failed once. Oh, that's and, a good point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we and did the, a whole podcast on And that. we forgot that Without one. ever saying that. Yes. <laughs> Pretend we talked about that for 15 <laughs> minutes. All right, rule two. There's 22 of these, so we want to keep going. You got to keep in mind what's interesting to you as an odd, interesting to you as an audience, not what's fun to do as a writer. That can be very different. Yes, that is very true. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's a a thing in in puppetry, in theater in general, that a lot of times, when you are, in the moment and crying on stage as a puppeteer, uh, that is the moment when the puppet is most likely to be dead. Mm-hmm. Because you are putting none of your energy through the figure, mm. um, and and I think that sometimes as a writer, something that is fun for you is not something that is going to translate through to fun for the audience. But if you remember that you first and foremost are a reader, and you think about the things that you would like to read, yeah. Though there's a bit of a reverse to this. I've talked about in the Wheel of Time books. When I was able to start working on these, there were so many things that I got to say, ooh, I could do this, I could do that. Mm-hmm. And I had to keep in mind story. Yes. Like, wait, doing that would turn this into a series of guest appearances by, you know, figures from yeah. Wheel of Time's past. It's a series of cameos. Right. And it becomes Rowan and Martin's laugh-in instead of, right. uh, you yeah. know. Uh, I had that problem with the first draft of Hollow City, which mm-hmm. was basically... 
an author having fun screwing around with reality. And my writing group hated it. Uh, Brandon we didn't remembers. hate it. <laughs> I spoke several times about how much I love the potential of that story. Well, the potential <laughs> of the story, that's different. Right. And, you know, the final draft, you got it right. But that first mix was, let me have more fun than my audience. I tried a Sherlock Holmesian sort of uh, outline for the bonus story of Emperor Pius Day. And that's the one where I threw out 80% of my work and only kept the fun moments and cut away during the boring parts and had Petey blowing stuff up. We're never going to get Thrill 22 of these. No, we aren't. No, that's okay. That's all right. We're done. Once upon a time, there was blank. Every day, blank. One day, blank. Because of that, blank. Because of that, blank. Until finally, blank. That is an event story according yes. to the mice quotient. It is. <laughs> Every day something happened. One day that thing did not happen. Mm -hmm. And because of that, someone has to go on an adventure or mm -hmm. yes. succeed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the plot yeah. of Toy Story. Yeah. yeah. Very succinctly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the, the short form of the mice quotient is that it begins when something upsets the status quo. And yeah. it ends when the status quo is either restored or there is a new status new quo. New status quo. Yep. Excellent. Great. Um, it's just Next. it's one way to tell a story. Okay, <laughs> mm -hmm. we have to do more than just say yeah to these. <laughs> oh no! Well, some of them I think we can just yeah, say, can yeah. say yeah. yeah. Good okay. job. Simplify, way to go, Pixar. Simplify, focus, combine characters, hop over detours. You'll feel like you're losing valuable stuff, but it sets you free. Oh, that's the kill your darlings. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, the simplify focus is another important thing. Um, a lot of um, writers I know, particularly new writers have a kind of kitchen sink philosophy. In fact, there's a writer in my writing group right now who is actually a very good writer, but her very first book that she started work workshopping was all the cool ideas I've ever had put into a book. Now that's actually, I found more rare than the opposite problem, which is take one idea and try and stretch it out too thin. Right. But occasionally you do have the, and you might be one of these, listener, that is like this cool idea and this cool idea and this cool idea and this cool idea. Um, simplifying and deciding what your story is. Mice Quotient is one way to mm -hmm. look at this. Um, at its heart, what is, the, what is driving your story and simplifying on that? Well, and I think more often than putting too many ideas into a story, uh, uh, an early writer problem is putting too many events. You know, you, you are complicating yes. things, especially in short fiction, but also in novels, you know. You don't need to have seven tri-fail cycles when right. three will be fine. Yeah. You also combine characters. Um, mm -hmm. This is an important thing I had to, to do. do that in partials. I uh, had way too many side characters and chopped them down and mashed several of their personalities together, and it worked much better. In Wheel of Time, three young men leave this their village uh, uh, out for adventure against their kind of wishes. It was originally four young men. Oh, really? Um, and the fourth young man got cut one-third of the way through the story by Harriet, Robert Jordan's wife and editor, saying, this kid's not doing anything. He's just the same as this, uh, this other one. Get rid of him, and the story will be stronger. Hmm. So, all yeah. right. What is your character good at, comfortable with? Throw the polar opposite at them. Challenge them. How do they deal? This is why Superman is an interesting character, despite being incredibly powerful. Can be an interesting character. Can be. Well, yes. and yes. when he's done well, he's mm -hmm. an excellent character. Uh, I think he has an unfair reputation because yes. uh, we tend to think of the we, worst stories. Yeah, we pick out the serials and point to them as bad examples because they are the best bad examples mm -hmm. of someone who doesn't change. But there are some very touching and powerful Superman stories. The Lois and Clark TV show yes. was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you know, in the uh, in the recent Pixar movie Brave, all the trailers show how awesome Merida is with bow and arrow, and being awesome with bow and arrow is not what gets her from you know. Mm. Well, and part of what this does, part of the reason that this works so well, is that when you show the character being really competent at something, that helps build uh, confidence that they will be able to figure out things later, and then sets up the try-fail cycle for them. Because when they're trying and failing, yeah. it's it's not necessarily their own fault that they're trying and failing. And, and I would like to point out also, this is a good method of building a story, mm-hmm. is the what is your... Pick a character, put them in the wrong shoes, put them in the wrong position, put the wrong role. I talk about this a lot. You know, it, one easy way to take a generic story and make it cool and fresh and original is force everyone to have different roles. Yeah, one example. Damn it, Jim! Of this, I'm a doctor, not an engineer. Right. Yes. One of one example of this, which is my guilty secret you know, guilty pleasure is uh, Dancing with the Stars. Okay. Because you're taking people who are at the top of their game and you're putting them into a position of having to learn something that they are not good at. Right. And watching them come apart and then having to rebuild is fascinating. Mm. <clears throat> As story research. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> That's, yes. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Book of the week this week. Um, I actually have been reading a lot of classics lately. And my wife just discovered Foundation. Uh, I, I got her to read that, um, and if you, ha- there are some of you out there who have not read Isaac Asimov's Foundation. I know there are some of you who have not read it. It is awesome. It is incredibly awesome. It is one of the great classics of science fiction. In fact, it won the award for best science fiction series of all time, uh, the Hugo Award, uh, beating out Tolkien. And um, it is just an amazing book. It was originally a series of short stories published in science fiction magazines all connected and it might be mind-blowing to me because as a a teen reading this i had never read a novel in short stories before Mm -hmm. um even to this day i've never read one as good as foundation and so isaac asimov's foundation really it's it's a classic in the field and it holds up very well audiblepodcast.com slash excuse you can start a 30-day trial membership and uh, pick up Foundation for free and pick up another book for 30% off. See, we actually looked up what are. They, they changed it without telling us. <laughs> sure. So. Mock me. Yes. Mock me in my I absence of research. I bet they told us research. and we just weren't paying attention. That's probably true. That's really probably what happened. So it's what's, what's Pixar rule number three? What are we on right now? I don't now? know. We're on like they're not numbered here. Think. Um, <clears throat> come up with your ending before you figure out your middle. Seriously, endings are hard. Get yours up working up front. I do that every time. Everything I write. You didn't used to, though. I didn't used to, and my endings were awful. Yes. I come up with my ending first, and then I write my way out to my ending, and then I realize that that's not actually the ending I want, and I need to fine-tune it or replace it. Uh, But if I don't have an ending in mind, I'm lost. I I vary, depending on the project. Most of the time, I have at least a ballpark that I'm heading for. It's very difficult for me to write without an ending. Yeah. And I get excited 
here's the thing that happens. You get excited when you've got that yeah. editing. You're like, wow, I can write toward this and it's going to be awesome. And both the stories we brainstormed mm-hmm. here on Writing Excuses recently, when we got those endings, we started with Dan's and Mary's when it like, this is what it could be. Suddenly the story like all came alive and vibrant in my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love having that mm-hmm. ending. It makes yeah. me want to write. Now, I, we should point out that not everybody writes like this. And if this no. is not how your brain works, you know, don't break yourself in half trying to write the wrong way. Yeah. And every, every, these rules are going to fail. Every rule fails for some writers. Yeah. And there are also times when you will break one of these rules because the cost of following it is higher than the cost of breaking it. Finish your story. Let go, even if it's not perfect. In an ideal world, you have both, but move on. Do better next time. My mentor, yes. when I was a puppeteer, mm-hmm. said, shoot for 100%, learn to be happy with 80. Interesting. I've never heard that <laughs> said before. Okay. One of um, the things that, uh, that I tell aspiring writers all the time when they'll ask for, you know, what's one advice, one piece of advice, allow yourself to write a bad book. Yeah. You know, don't force your first book to be perfect. Right. Write it and move on, and your next one will be better. Okay, that's yeah. very good advice. Even now, I write less than perfect books and stories, and I set them aside. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen very often with novels, because if it's going that poorly early on, I know it's going that poorly, poorly early on. But last year, I discovery wrote a novel. I guess it was two years ago now. I discovery wrote a novel for fun, um, and it didn't work. And I have not released that book, and I won't <laughs> release that book. Um, because I, you know. I had that happen mm-hmm. too with a novel, and I cut it down to a novella, which is I love the sentence now nominated for Hugo. Hey. Although by the time this airs, <laughs> we will know. We, we will know. know. You will know, but will we know. don't. It's like you guys can see the future. Yes, we. It's a lot like travel. that. You know, there is a uh, uh, reasonably common thing with web cartoonists that uh, after about four years, they'll look back at their early stuff and they'll say, you know what. I think I want to. I think I want to redraw some of these early strips. And any time those folks have the opportunity to talk to uh, some of us long termers, long timers, mm-hmm. we scream at them. No, that way lies yeah. insanity. You have to let it go. You yeah. have to let it be bad, even though everybody can see it. And you just have to keep drawing, keep writing. What comes next? Yeah, that's what my mentor was talking about. With the you know, learn to be happy with the eighty percent because eighty percent is still a success. Yeah. Okay. When you're stuck, make a list of what wouldn't happen next. Lots of times the material to get you unstuck will show up. Oh, that's a really good idea. I've never done that, but I'd be interested to try it. Yeah. Okay. Wow. (laughs) Well, what's fun about writing down down what wouldn't come next Mm -hmm. is that that list of things that wouldn't come next go into your story seed file for things that you're going to write well, and After it's, also you're things, it's also things that your characters can toss out as ideas for thing, when they are trying to solve the yeah. problem so that when they actually solve it, yeah. that in and of itself, that attempt to solve the problem is a trivial cycle, the attempt to come up with the plan. Okay. The multi-tentacled space goat is not going to come and save us. That idea doesn't work. Again. Again. <laughs> <laughs> we can't oh, rely on him wow. every time. Okay, we have a writing prompt. <laughs> yes. The multi-tentacled space goat cannot come and save us. Again. <laughs> Remember that, folks. Pull apart the stories you like. What you like in them is part of you. You've got to recognize it before you can use it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do this a lot for mm-hmm. actually building stories. Um, I've said before that Mistborn partially came about by me saying, I love heist stories. Why are heist stories fun for me? 
Um, and I was actually able to pull apart the stuff I like about a heist story. And Mistborn, as we've said before, is not as much a heist story as some other things, like Lies of Locke Lamora and whatnot. Um, but I pulled out the stuff I love, and I realized what I loved was the team dynamic. The team dynamic excites me. It's fun. It's great. Um, and the other part that excites, excites me is the powerful twist ending that often happens in a good heist story. And I put the two of those together into a, an epic fantasy novel. And a lot of the heist stuff got left by the wayside, but the team dynamic and the, the cool, powerful ending, those are what I loved. And I was able to take those and apply those to a lot of different stories. Um, you know, and yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're just loving these lit rules, so maybe we should have Emma on her podcast. I wonder I, if she'd like come on. I like that plan. We'll have to call her. Anyone know Pixar? Actually, I know people at Pixar. Okay. <laughs> That's also a nice sentence to say. Yeah. Okay. I know people at Pixar. <laughs> uh, putting it on paper lets you start fixing it. it. If it stays in your head, a perfect oh, idea, oh, you'll never yes. share it with anyone. Yes. Mm -hmm. Your writers write. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't think unless I'm writing it down. Yeah, yeah and I, I've said I before, this happens particularly with characters for me. I don't know that character until I write it down, until I of the, start One singing. of the problems that I've had, and I, I've, I've mentioned this before, is sometimes there is an idea for the story that I can't write the other stuff for the story until I've taken this idea and committed it to paper. Because my brain knows it's important, and until I've written it down, nothing else is allowed to flow because my subconscious is telling me, uh-uh, we're not letting go of this until you've locked it in somewhere. Yeah, well, it's also, until you write it down, it's, it's, it's so mutable that sometimes it's, um, it's impossible to hold the story together. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, you know, you're, you're trying to... I've, you know, I've got this visual in my head and I'm like, well, that's not going to work in a podcast. Um, but it's, it's Everyone like, read Mary's mind right yes. now. But it, it's like trying to, to put something into a suitcase where the thing is not quite the right size and yeah. you shove it in one corner, it pops out another and it stays like that until mm -hmm. you start committing it to, to paper because that fixes it. Yeah. All and right. by fixes, I mean... Yes, makes fixed. Yes. Fixed, makes, like makes... jello gelling. Yes. We are out of time. We did 11 of the 22, which I think is, is pretty admirable considering how much we like to talk. <laughs> I do want to give credit where credit is due. That's Emma Coates. Um, her Twitter is um, at Lawn Rocket. Um, I think she might actually be leaving uh, Pixar from things I've read. But anyway, um, she, uh, she has some great rules. Hopefully they're helpful to you. You can go look up the other 11. I don't know if we'll do another podcast on them, but we might. Who knows? Anything can happen at Writing Excuses. I want you guys to go write a story about a space, multi-tentacled space goat that can't save people again. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. I'm Hi all, this is Brandon. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. I just wanted to give you a special reminder. Audible has my novella Legion up for free in audiobook. And so, since they're a sponsor of the podcast, I thought I'd give an extra shout-out to it. They actually have, if you go to www.audible.com Sanderson, uh, they have Legion up there. You, there's no trial. There's no strings attached. You just get it for free. So, I hope you guys go get a, give it a listen if you haven't already. And you can go to audible.com Sanderson to download it and give it a try. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre.
They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.